Welcome to C-Suite Radio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Idly Hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast where we interview your favorite celebrities and comedians, actors, everybody that's involved in the pop culture universe. And we have a very special guest today. I'm excited to be chatting with Tracy Birdsall. You can currently see her in the season two of the smash hit Netflix comedy, I Think You Should Leave which is hilarious, by the way. Uh, and uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to see it, I highly recommend it. Tracy, welcome into the show. It's great to have you here today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about this because this just recently came out on Netflix and it's hilarious. I had an opportunity to stream the the entire season and it's a fun sketch comedy show. I don't know. There's a lot of things uh, that is going on with it, but it's hilarious. Let's let our guests in on it and what part you play and, and how you became a part of the project. Sure, sure. I I actually got the audition um, a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, I was super excited because a lot of the guys are like Saturday Night Live guys and Tim Robinson and Zach. And it's just so you get excited when you have comedy in your background to work with people like that because it's a lot of fun. And and I'd say about a year later, they finally went into production on second season and I got cast in it in the role of Janine. I play the girlfriend of Gary, which is played by Tim Heidecker. And um, it was a lot of fun because I do a lot of action and sci-fi and stuff like that. But to me, comedy is such a break from yeah. all of that. You know, it's just <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. And I love the show. When I first got the audition, I, I sat down to watch my regulatory five minutes of it to get the tone and I ended up watching the entire first season <laughs> and it was like yeah you can't get enough of it you keep watching it over and over and over it's just super good random outrageous comedy yeah I would agree with you it's kind of like a national lampoons kind of meets a comedy sketch show it's just very original and Tim Heidecker if people don't know who that is He's just a comedy legend, writer, actor. He does it all. I, you mentioned this, so I want to ask, what was your experience like working with all of these legends? Because as you mentioned, you do a lot of sci-fi and a lot of that type of thing, more of the heavy type roles. So you said it's great to get a break from comedy, but what was your experience like just kind of working with some of these legends and, and kind of getting into that uh, comedy space, so to speak? Well, I've, I've, I did a lot of comedy when I was younger, so I'm I'm 
you know, trained in it and super comfortable around it. But I'd say the most excited I was was in the beginning when I first got the call and, um, you know, for the audition, and then you kind of forget about it. But, um, you know, it was it was it was fun being on set with them. But when you go on set, you more still look at them as people. And then later on, when you look back on it, you're like, OK, that was pretty cool. But <laughs> but when you're there, it's like super normal. Like we go into so many sets with amazing people. And and but it's fun to watch them bounce off of each other. And it's fun to just, you know, you would think they would be more outrageous in their normal day to day life. But they're just they're just normal guys, you know, and, and, um, but it was a super exciting experience just because I was a Saturday night live junkie. I love raunchy guy comedy. Um, you know, so just even being a part of it and, um, it's, it's just super exciting stuff because so much of what we do is so vanilla until I started doing the action, (laughs) but anything you can get, well, like when I did who's Jenna, that was kind of a raunchy guy comedy too, the feature. But um, I hadn't really done comedy since then. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so you obviously, and I knew this, you have experience in comedy, but you also do the sci-fi. Do you have a preference of one over the other? Or do you just like to work and do new and challenging things as a performer? What's kind of your preference? I like to consider myself to be a working actor. Yes. And I know a lot of people like to look at themselves as something other than that. But, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I've spent my my whole life pretty much supporting myself working in my industry. Um, I only have a couple things I never want to do, and that is uh, be the the screaming girl in a horror film. I've been in horror films, but I don't want to be the screaming girl because I don't want to get pigeonholed. I don't want people to forget that I'm an actor that works really hard on what I do. And instead see me in a particular genre and go, oh, that's that sci-fi girl or, oh, that's that horror girl. So I work really hard to look for diversification in my roles and to keep all of my skills honed so that I can kind of dance between them all. Because who knows what you're going to get cast in next? And that gives you longevity. And um, to me, that's the most exciting thing is to continue being a working actor. Yes, I I like your brutal honesty about being... (laughs) A working actor because that's what you're doing. You're like, you're working, right? You're doing job after job. And I haven't really run into this too much with a lot of the folks that I talk to, but it's like this personification of something that, you know, I'm not a working actor. I like to consider myself this, but it's like, you're a working actor because you're, you know, unless you have like a massive arc on a TV series, which you've had. And that's yeah. great, but like, unless you're, you know, like first, second, third on the call sheet and you're doing these things, you're working. And that has to be just fulfilling in itself because there are literally probably millions of people who look at what you do and go, I want to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it makes perfect sense to me. It's, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of hard work to stay relevant and, and, um, stay on top. But I I have to say that one of the best things about being a working actor and kind of leaving your ego at bay, you know, because that's what it takes is vulnerability, is that you can do like I've done a half a dozen lead roles. And then I get a phone call and I get booked for a guest star role that could be recurring. I'm like, yeah, I want to work, you know. So so it's like if you don't get all wrapped up into what you think you are and you just realize that you're doing what you worked towards doing, I think it's a little easier, you know, if you don't get all caught up in the, what could be, what should be versus 
what is and relish in it. Yes. Now, you bring up a very interesting point, Tracy, because I hear a lot of actors say that. But if you could expand a little bit for our listeners, because, well, let me back up and say this. I find what you do just absolutely fascinating. You and every other entertainer that I have the pleasure to share a moment with in these conversations. And your world is markably different than what I do. I work in eight to five. I'm in sales. I sell wine. I do have flexibility on certain things, but your world is a lot different. And you said something that caught my attention about kind of getting out of the way of the idea of maybe who you think you are versus who you really are. Like what has kind of been your process to sort of get into that headspace? Cause I'm certain that, you know, it's not something, or maybe it does come naturally for you. I don't know, but does it take something to work at or, or how, how do you kind of get into that mindset? I think when I was in my twenties, you know, you can, every audition you go on, you're so sure that you're going to book it. You know, it's like, I got so you go it. Home and yeah. You're, you're like, no, you're like, you did it. Waiting for the phone to ring, you know? <laughs> and, and cause you know, you, in order to live a character and you study a character and you get off book and you decide who she is and what she's going to be. And then you're like, well, of course, this is the character and this is what they're going to want. But you're just bringing your flavor of the character. And so I kind of had to get out of my own way a long time ago because I'm basically a pretty happy chick unless my character's not happy and then it can just ruin my month. <laughs> but um, you kind of have to get out of your own way and be happy just when people want to see you work. And I don't mean people want to pay to see you work. If a casting director brings you in the office or asks you to self-tape, somebody wants to see you work. And this is what you've spent your whole life working towards. I mean, so that should be a joy enough. You know, that should be, you're getting, um, you know, you're getting recognition for the fact that they even want to call you and see you. Sure. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's those great times where they don't even make you audition. I mean, I've had quite a few of those where they, you know, offered me the role, but I think that as soon as you stop thinking about, I mean, the last thing you can do is think about your name and lights. The first thing you have to think about is just doing that work and doing it right and following the tone of the show and figuring out who the character is. Because it's kind of like so many other things in life or if it's what you do and it's who you are and you're trained, if you do anything outside of the box to try and overthink it, you're just getting in your way. And you just have to not get in your own way and you just have to kind of live and breathe the characters. And, and, and if you work hard enough, you'll, you'll work. You know? Yeah. I, I love that. Again, I, I call it brutal honesty because really to me, it seems like, you know, if you want to work, you're going to work. Right. And it, it, you can't get too picky about things early on in your career. Obviously now you have freedom of choice from what it sounds like and what you can do and that sort of thing. And even getting to the point where you don't have to audition, like you said, they just call you up and say, we have this yeah. role for you. Your manager calls you. We have something that would be a great fit and you have the ability to choose yes or no. I I'd love it. It's great. And I think that's what makes again, what you do as an actor and others do so fascinating because it's just a different world. It's not like what most people would recognize, but yet you've had great success at it with all of the things that you have been a part of. And, uh, you know, you've been at this for a very long time. You were on the young and the restless rogue warrior. 
Um, you're currently filming a television series right now, which I don't know if we can talk about or not. Your publicist put it in the email, but <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it. That's the it's actually in post. Yeah. The time war, which you have the lead role, which I'm excited about this because I've been hearing about it for a long time. Let's talk about what you can share a little bit and what, how that came about for you. The time war, what's kind of interesting about it and why we've heard about it for so long is it's been the director's baby since I think he first wrote it in 1992 to 1995, somewhere in there. I, wa I wasn't anywhere near in the picture by then. And it was kind of one of those oversized features that is like, you know, a director's baby. And he was going to make it at some point in his life. And so we started filming this and we shot for a very long time. And then six months later, he, he wants to expand upon it and some of the original ideas of the script. So he expands upon it. And then he expands upon it again. And now it's become a TV series and it's getting super dark and super twisted. And we all expected it to be out you know, a few years. Yeah. Ago. I mean, they've been on the market for that for a long time. <laughs> so now we've got, um, eight episodes, I think 15 countries and five years that we've been working on this. And it's just an epic time travel. Um, Adolf Hitler traveling through time, trying to rewrite history to rewrite his genetic code because he has a Messiah complex and I play his daughter and also his greatest nemesis. And so as we're traveling through time, part of what made this project so complicated was that there's various versions of yourself and, you know, and they're different ages and different clothing and attire and time periods and locations. And, and um, it, it, it was a really complicated project. And um, yeah, it's it's in its final stages of post now and so excited. I mean, we've got a lot of the actors have already scattered. You know, it's like William Kircher's back in New Zealand, Daz Crawford's back in England, you know, <laughs> Stephen Manley, I think he's out in Atlanta. So it's like everybody's lives have morphed and changed since then. But it's a it's it's a really big project super exciting yes yeah, so it's probably safe to say whatever's in the can is going to have to go at this point <laughs> to do reshoots would be a bit challenging especially when you have people across <laughs> literally the globe uh to come yeah. in and start filming things i, I want to wind the clock back and talk about your story as an actor you started your first big thing from what i have found in research was family ties right that's what you that was my first studio set. Okay. Um, before that, I did a lot of national commercials. Okay. So I was one of those teenagers growing up doing, you know, Sunkiss soda commercials for 10 years and a whole bunch of other ones. So it's, I kind of did commercials before it was cool to do commercials, yeah. but I just wanted to work. And that was, you know, it wasn't a crowded field at the time like it is now. And so, and it was very lucrative. Oh yeah. And I've heard stories of how lucrative it was. <laughs> was amazing <laughs> they don't pay that but, now um, from what i understand but i was hearing somebody did a commercial for something and they paid him like 50 grand to come shoot for a day and comparative yeah. to like being a cnr or a crn that was like i'll take the 50 grand for the commercial and you know not only did they pay you 
ludicrous amounts of money at the time because they're kind of using your image like you become about them right um like everywhere you go you know people made sunkissed jokes you know and they gave me a million t-shirts and cases of sunkissed and it just got to be like the running joke but um yeah it was one of those things where you got paid every time it aired so these things not only were you getting paid for reruns but then they'd bring you in to shoot the next one and then you get paid for that. And then you're getting paid for reruns of both of them. And then they intercut them. And so then you get paid again for the new version that has footage from both of them. And it was just, I couldn't figure out why, but I'd go to acting classes because as I said, the number one thing to longevity in this industry, I believe is training. I was a huge, you know, training junkie. And they'd like make fun of people that did commercials and I'd sink way down in my chair, you know, and just kind of take the eye jabs. And, but at the end of the day, I wasn't the one spending eight hours a day in a restaurant serving people. If I had an audition or a class or something, I had no problem scheduling around it. So it made perfect sense to me. You know, I come from, very, from a very intelligent father. So it's like, when you look at the logic of it, it made perfect sense. And who would have known that it became like a popular thing for name actors to do later that just I find that very funny having watched that whole process yeah I mean back then it was kind of like you did commercials and then you did this and then you did that and now it's like I think being in a commercial now is probably far more difficult the casting process is probably way more intense to get in and get involved in that and do it but you got in it like you said before it was cool and uh, clearly it paid off for you quite well. It's like people making fun of you in class. It's like, well, my rent's paid for the next six months. And you're, exactly. I was okay with it. You're waiting tables at TGI Fridays. You know, I guess they didn't drive Uber and Lyft then. That's kind of the new waiting tables now. It is. Driving Uber is. and Lyft and DoorDash, you know, because you can get to auditions. And, you know, from West Hollywood to the Central Valley in a couple hours to, you know, audition. <laughs> And uh, you're not pulling your hair out, you know, because you have to call a boss to like reschedule a day yeah. shift or something. So good on you, Tracy. I love it. I think that's great. Uh, I kind of got out of it when it got to be popular because then I started working more in the industry. Sure. And I didn't I didn't really have the time because commercials take a lot of audition time. Yeah, it's it's quite okay. a process from what I hear. It um, is. So I did it backwards. That's okay, though. I mean, you're living the dream now, literally. So that was kind of first for you. And then Family Ties was like your studio. One last question or two here. Is that where you first got your SAG card and then you knew this is something that I'm going to be doing for quite some time? Um, I kind of knew from when I was a little kid. Like, I loved entertaining. I did, you know, singing and dance shows. I went to Gary Dance Studio when I was, you know, only two years old. So it was like I was really accustomed to entertaining and being on stage. And then I did musicals and theater and stuff like that. I got my SAG card doing um, Sunkiss Soda commercial. Okay. Yeah. Very first one as a teenager. So, yeah. Wow. And then that was my first studio shoot. And it only lasted for a few days. And I think it's the only time I've ever been nervous. I was just nervous because I really didn't, you know, you, you know what to expect. You've read everything, what to expect. You've talked to everybody, but I didn't really know what to expect. And then I would say every time you show up in a set, it's such a joy now. Like it's, there's not anything nerve wracking about it. As long as you're prepared, you can tell the people that are a little nerve wracked are the ones that aren't super prepared, you know, but isn't that how life is in any industry? That's anything. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because, 
you can show up on set with confidence. You have your lines and sides done. You know mm-hmm. what to do. And then it's like the new person, you're not that person <laughs> anymore where you can definitely tell. And I don't think you want to be the one to slow production down or cause multiple reshoots uh, because you don't remember your lines or. And you know, I don't, I don't think that people who are new, cause I don't think there's enough information out no. there for people who are new. And I don't think that they realize because if you, if everybody's nice to them and you get through the shoot, I don't think they realize what an absolute pain it was that they stumbled a few times and that they didn't know something or they couldn't get the blocking down because it really slows people down. And I don't think people train enough before they get the first, you know, set experiences, because of course we have to hire people that are fairly new in the industry. And of course they're lovely people and, and we're kind to them, but at the same time, it really does slow things down and you never forget it. You no, know? So it's, you don't. Yeah. And this industry is so big, but it's small at the same time. Like people know people mm-hmm. like, just in the world of PR, I mean, there's like seven or eight industry public relations agencies, but they all know everybody and you don't yeah. want to make somebody mad or make a bad decision um, or forget your lines on set. I love it. This has been a lot of fun. This show, I think you should leave, is now streaming on Netflix with Tim Robinson, a comedy show, hundreds of great actors and comic legends on there of course you're on there we also have the time war which is coming out soon ish uh hopefully to a streamer near you amazing tracy birdsall thank you for joining me on the podcast today i really do appreciate it thank you for having me that brings today's show to a close goodly do thanks for stopping by If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.